This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello and welcome to another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm your host, Bob Asman, and welcome back for another episode. And I'm really pleased to have Nate Brown joining me on today's podcast. Nate and I met a few years ago in Nashville, I think, if my memory's right. And uh, it's it's been great fun following Nate and his career and all the great things he's doing for CX. So Nate, Welcome to the podcast. I'm really happy to have you here. Why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Well, hello, Bob. Huge fan of the show. Thank you so much for having me on. And it was a thrill to meet you at our Nashville CX Day event. And I've learned so much from you in the in the space between. So th- this is a great honor. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, Nate Brown here. I am a Murfreesboro, Tennessee native. I am someone who loves disc golf and more recently pickleball. I actually have a tournament this Saturday playing with Fernando in the 5.0 division in Mount Juliet. So if anybody's around, come on over and cheer us on. I'm a, I'm a beekeeper. I have some chickens out here. We're doing a little sustainability farm. I've got uh, two daughters and uh, just loving life out here in Tennessee. And, and I love customer experience work. I, I like calling myself a student of uh, of the world's greatest experiences and those who create them, of which you are certainly one of those, Bob. Well, thank you, Nate. And I, I love the fact that you're pursuing pickleball. We um, are spending some time in Florida, and that is a huge sport down there. Oh, yeah. It's just exploding. Everybody's adding pickleball courts and so forth. So good, good luck um, <laughs> thank you. with that. And uh, I'd love to get into the sustainability topic you had as well as we as we talk about things. So, Nate, um, everybody always wants to know, you know, did you wake up one day and say, I wanted to be a CX professional or what what happened in your career? And so maybe give us a little flavor of your career path and and how did you end up uh, in the experience management profession? Yeah, well, I, I do think this is a brilliant and fascinating question. I always love hearing these tales. And, and mine was certainly a, a winding road. <laughs> so I started <laughs> in Florida, speaking of Florida, I was selling postage meters on the streets of Jacksonville, Florida. I was going around to little strip malls and trying to give them a Neopost 25, one of those little machines that stamp your envelopes for you, which was basically already obsolete technology as I was trying to do this. And, uh, it was, it was not good. I was not good at it and it was not a good job to have. And, uh, yeah, so I, I did that for about a year. I learned a ton just in those interactions with people. And I did have a few anchor clients who had a, a big machine and I got to be a, a customer success manager for them, making sure that they were very happy, trying to expand that relationship. And I loved that customer service, customer success element of the work. 
And so as I navigated away from that (laughs) career opportunity, I I found myself in a customer service role inside of a software company, uh, moved to Nashville blind (laughs) and and was loving supporting the Tennessee Farmers Co-op as an outsourced vendor and learned so much uh, doing that work and and found that I loved customer service. And so jumped into a, a major safety science company from there and worked for 12 years in, in customer support mostly and uh, just frontline, you know, construction workers looking to get their 10 hour online course for construction or general industry. Then we had different acquisitions and things happen and we moved uh, from just health and safety to um, true like occupational health where we were supporting these occupational nurses and doctors with really complicated, almost like a mini EMR system there. And, and love that learning, love getting to interface with so many different types of clients and, and helping them to achieve whatever their definition of success was and trying to navigate and understand what that was. Uh, but I'll tell you, Bob, the thing that uh, just got me frustrated, you know, I kind of worked up the ranks in, in that company and moved from a frontline agent and into a support director and was managing three different teams of support professionals. Uh, but the thing that I just kept running into is that we were saving the, sol- the same problems again and again. And I'm looking around like, why are we having the same interactions with these same customers so often? And my people get burned out. The work becomes remedial. It's like, what if we actually got creative and got a little more proactive to go upstream and try and solve some of these problems and change the nature of our interactions with these clients to, to a more strategic function? And what I was looking for was customer experience. I just didn't know the word for it. Uh, but through Annette Franz and through Jeff Toyster and through Gene Bliss, who I started, uh, I, I happened to be friends with Jeff and he introduced me to the other two and was able to consume a lot of their literature and just accelerate my path of learning using those great resources and, and started in that safety science company, the, the first real organic CX program. And just was able to experiment with all kinds of fascinating things uh, by building up that program as a grassroots entity and uh, made made some huge mistakes, had some great successes, uh, but overall was able to eventually be invited to Chicago to speak in, 20, in front of 12,000 people to the global organization to introduce them to CX. Just what is it? What is it? How does it matter to us? So introducing this company that was born in the 1800s to this fascinating and exciting topic of a customer experience. And then from there, it became a true role for me. And I was a CX director inside of that company and have, have since moved on to, uh, to a very exciting startup environment. I was the chief experience officer at Officium Labs for a couple of years. And then just last November, uh, was acquired by Arise and, and now the senior director of CX inside of Arise. So it, it has been an amazing and fascinating ride. It sounds like it has been. Nate, tell me a little bit about the emotions you had when presenting in front of 12,000 people CX for the first time. Oh, my goodness. That's got to have been a rush, right? I mean, it was. And people people were hungry for it. They they didn't have the vernacular yet either. But it's a great organization. And and they had a customer-centric mentality, but they didn't know how to put it into practice as well. And so giving words to this desire to serve people well, uh, there was an, an overwhelming response to that session. And, and it really put me on a course of, I want to do this. I, I want to help to educate people on the power of, of making people's lives better and easier through great experiences. Mm-hmm. 
Nate, you talked about two things. You talked in your in your brief summary of the of your career path about your successes, and also you mentioned your failures. Is there one in particular? And by the way, I think our listeners can learn from these types of perspectives that professionals have. Uh, is there one particular success that you are really proud of, and is there one particular failure that you shared that others can learn from? Yeah, you know, they kind of go hand in hand. And Mm -hmm. and it was my mentality was very broken as I first started doing this work. I was very selfish with it. You know, I I was trying to establish CX in the company, but I I made it way too much about me as the quote unquote CX leader in the process of doing that. Didn't realize yet that the work of customer experience truly is giving it away to everybody else (laughs) and growing it inside of them. Uh, so a tremendous success. We had an IT professional is a, a great up and coming IT leader, um, but was, was growing in his ability to really see the reality of the customer and bring that into this critical work of IT. They control all the information. So I mean, think about knowledge flow, the ability to do self-service, customer service automation, the ability for customers to get answers quickly and just get, get that, get that 360 degree view of the customer. So many of these things depended on IT. Not, not just, not just like being okay with CX, but being an active participant in the customer experience. And, and I right away pulled him into this organic CX program as a stakeholder. And we created this little CX change coalition. He was an, a phenomenal part of that. And I remember he was in this global leadership program for the company and his, as an IT professional, the project he chose was customer journey mapping to bring that to his function. And, and I was just tickled pink at the ability to, to create this ambassador, this powerful ambassador for the work. It, it was wonderful. Um, but I, I remember like a failure in that as I wrestled through that idea of giving the work away and embedding it in the hearts and minds of others. Uh, I was, I was speaking with a mentor and she's sitting in front of me in my office. I can picture this scene like it was yesterday. And I was just so frustrated and so burned out. And I'm telling her, I'm like, I'm, I'm just fighting every day. I'm, I'm like preparing for battle every morning. I'm like armoring up with weapon, weapons to come into this office and just take shots and, and go on the offensive and try to make, make CX happen. And she sat there and she's like, you're not at war here. Like, <laughs> these people are with you. They're, they're supposed to be your allies. It's like, why, why would you not go fight the competition? If you're going to fight somebody, you're thinking about this all wrong and your defensive posture that you're taking right now is being read immediately by your peers on this leadership level. And they're taking their cues and they're taking a defensive posture as well. It's like you, you need to change this tone and, and come, come with the attitude of servant leadership. Come with the attitude of how can I serve you? How can I bring CX to you in a way that's going to make the, the problem that keeps you up at night? It's going to help solve that problem. Let me show you how. Let's work on this together. Let's, let's get curious together. If we do this differently with, with our customers in this training touch point, what does that do in the customer service area in terms of reducing call volume and better equipping our customers for a long-term relationship? Get, get these stakeholders curious about the work you're doing. And, and that totally changed my mindset from that point forward. Mm-hmm. A lot of nuggets here, Nate. Let's unwrap some of them. First of all, I can really relate to the IT story that you told and getting that IT leader involved. 
I teach a course uh, at Rutgers um, in customer experience to IT professionals. And the most common question I get is, I don't, I'm not customer facing. I don't have anything to do with the customer experience. And you just blew that out of the water. I'm going to use that example all the time now, right? Oh, man. Because we all do. Whoever controls the data and, and, the, and the compliance, the security element. I mean, there, there's so much about the customer relationship that the IT department ultimately controls. Absolutely. Very intriguing. And, and Nate, the other uh, couple of comments you made were about ambassadors. And that's something that I've ascribed to for years is creating ambassadors throughout the organization to share the message. But you shared an important thought about stakeholders and getting stakeholders engaged. Could you just expound on that a little bit? Because I think that's critical to a successful CX initiative. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a huge fan, Bob, of leading change, John Coder. And, and as far as all the change management methodologies out there, I, I feel like that one lines up best with the long-term success of a CX revolution that you're trying to establish. And I use that word carefully. I'm really trying to move away from calling it a CX program or initiative, mm-hmm. which is a temptation, but that implies that there's a finish line, which, which there is not. <laughs> this is ongoing, evolving work all the time. So how do we get that mentality into a group of people who can take that back into their teams and embed that work into their part of the organization so that every touch point in the customer journey feels like we're dealing with the same company, one. <laughs> we don't have this bipolar thing going on with the same organization throughout the customer journey. The brand voice is consistent. The level of service, the desire to serve well, that is consistent throughout every touch point in the company. And then layering on the strategic elements of that, how do we practically, functionally create a great experience in this area that we control? that we can speak into because there's going to be some differences. There's going to be some personalization to this area of training or HR or finance or, or customer service or customer success. There are definitely nuances to the management of the journey in those areas. So they have to have the ability to, to bring that expertise, to bring that capability to the work, but give them guide rails as the CX director, as the CX leader, Give them guide rails in which that can become the part of a larger CX mentality, of, of a part of something that comes together in a clear and comprehensive way. That, that's where this work is really hard, but that's where it gets really successful, and it becomes a long-term thing instead of just a program that burns out after two quarters. Absolutely true. It, it, I always have characterized it as uh, when, you, when you learn uh, – uh, a language other than your own. And when you start learning a new language, you translate from, if your native language is English, you translate from English to let's say Spanish. Mm-hmm. And you know you've really arrived when you no longer do that translation in your mind, but you can speak Spanish fluently from your mm-hmm. thoughts. And and that's what I've always characterized CX is you know it's embedded in the organization when you're not translating it constantly, like you said, as an initiative or a program. Yeah, it becomes a common language and, and we don't have to use code words. It doesn't have to be quote unquote customer experience lingo. <laughs> it, it gets to be your organization's expression of how we serve customers well. And, and that's actually better than, than using the CXPA textbook. 
because it becomes your own at that point. And, and I'm sorry, Bob, I neglected to answer your original question there about the, the CX stakeholder piece. So I, I was mentioning John Coder and his brilliant framework for change. Right. So the number, the number one thing there is establishing a sense of urgency. You got to you got to make people want it. You got to light a bit of a fire out there. Be like, our competitors are gobbling up this market share because they are getting this customer experience thing, and we're not. However, you light that fire, and then, but the very next thing is a change coalition. <laughs> it's bringing people into the work who represent th this larger ecosystem. You can't do. CX as a CX leader, you're just going to get burned out. You're not going to have the influence that you need to actually drive it down at the level where CX is being done. You can't do it. So you're bringing together this CX change coalition that has the ability to be an extension of the work on, on an everyday basis. I, I mean, I love the perspective and I love the, um, the, the, the different view of how we can do things, Nate. And that's what's so refreshing about um, uh, talking with you. Nate, uh, tell us a little bit about, from your view, what is the state of CX right now? I mean, pandemics and supply chains and, and a war in Ukraine, also major crises hitting, hitting us. What do you think we're at uh, as a CX profession, but then also, uh, how are companies reacting to experience management? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so fascinating to me to see that there is the dark side of CX. And I, I think there was actually just a book released with that very title. I think, I think my so, book, right? <laughs> um, which I haven't consumed yet, and, and I definitely need to. And, you know, there, there's some really uh, critiquing statements that are being made by various CX thought leaders that are out there that, that paint a very negative picture of the state of CX today. And, and there's some reality to that. Our, our customers are expecting more than they've ever expected. And, and some of them are definitely taking a tone of entitlement and expressing themselves in some really bad ways. <laughs> uh, some ways where like we as CX leaders, our, our work devolves to like protection of our people against very escalated customers in, in ways that we've never seen them behave before. Um, so, I mean, that, that's a reality that we're wrestling with. So many challenging aspects that are going on in the world right now, many of which you identified, certainly the supply chain, certainly the labor shortage, and some of our best talent probably walking out the door inside of your organization and you now scrambling and being in a survival mode situation where you're just trying to get through the day, much less make improvements to the overall experience. That's where a lot of people are right now. And so we have to find ways to accelerate beyond that, somehow catch up to these customer expectations, somehow retrain and bring harmony to the, the behaviors that our customers are expressing out to our people and internally as well, you know, just reducing that friction all around. So, I mean, th those are definitely some challenges that are out there. But if we look at the pros too, I mean, I, I personally am very optimistic of where we stand. I mean, CX has come into its own in a way these past few years where it's, it's just alarming to me how, I mean, we've always talked about how CX is the competitive differentiator. And there was that brilliant quote by the Dell CIO that, that made that statement like 10, 15 years ago. But I've, I've never seen it translated in, into the reality of the ways companies think and behave towards their customers as it has happened in the last couple of years. There's tremendous money and energy being invested 
into CX and, and executives are not taking the short term view of it is let's give this a try. Let's give this project, this initiative a try. No, they're, they're realizing that CX is, it's a culture. <laughs> it's a mentality shift. It's a way of doing business long term that leads to sustainable partnership. And, and they're, they're allowing CX leaders to, to have that long term capability. I mean, we were stuck there, Bob, for a while where the average tenure of a CX leader was only two years. <laughs> but but me and you know full well that the average length of time it takes to have a CX initiative actually generate fruit in a measurable way is two to three years. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the CX leaders get a canned right before if even if they were doing their jobs perfectly right before they'd have the ability to come back around and be like, here, here's the the identified changes we made. Here's how we executed and made those changes. Now here's how the voice, the voice of customer engine actually shows how we improved our customer's life. And here's how that's impacted the finances of the business. It takes time for that full circle to be established. And, and I feel like executives are being more patient and more participatory in allowing that cycle to take hold. So along those lines, that is really good to hear because uh, you're right about the average tenure. I mean, we used to say that they just get simply, they simply get tired of beating their head against the wall uh, all the time and move on or get fired because they're not making that progress at a point in time when they're just about to. So that yeah. makes a lot of sense to me. The one thing we hear constantly, and it's a hot topic in CX, is the ROI of CX. So are executives still stuck there? Or as you said, are they beginning to understand that while that's important, so it is uh, to incorporate it in the culture and the way of doing things as a part of the organization? Oh, I mean, we're, we're evolving tremendously here, Bob, in, in my opinion. I mean, we're not beholden to legacy CX metrics anymore. We are moving beyond NPS. Even NPS has moved beyond NPS. And is now there is a NPS 3.0, mm -hmm. which you wouldn't even recognize it against the original question in philosophy. So, I mean, they've evolved so much, which is great because it's 20 years old. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it was a brilliant model then, and it has evolved to still be a brilliant model. What is wrong and what nobody should be doing is going back to the 20-year-old question and, and just doing NPS in that legacy mindset. That, that would be tremendously short-sighted. So NPS can be great if you're embracing all of the entire system, not just the score and evolving towards NPS 3.0. So even, even that has evolved tremendously, but you've got uh, customer satisfaction. Uh, you've got, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of other legacy metrics that we would, and if we focus more on customer service, like contact center, like average handle times and things like that, we would base so much of the work on, on those elements. Whereas now, and I think customer success has really helped us to accelerate this evolution. Now we're thinking about customer engagement score, customer health score, customer growth engine, renewal and retention rates, customer lifetime value. And, and these are things where there's a direct consequence to if, if we can grow these ideas, these numbers, if we can show how we're making customers' lives better and easier in these metrics, there's a direct correlation to the finances of the business. So we're no longer having to do this tremendous dance to try to prove the value of the work because our metrics have evolved so much. So true. And so, so good to hear that, that 
that they are evolving and we're, we're looking at them from a different lens. Nate, how do you stay in tune with the shifts in the market and, and in the profession? How, where do you gain your knowledge? Because I know you're a lifelong learner. I, I do read a lot and I think that's important, but I am just curious. I'm just trying stuff. I mean, that's why I've loved working inside of Officium Labs and Arise. I, I have a lot of autonomy to experiment. <laughs> and, and I think that idea of just developing curiosity and seeing how we can make customers react and respond in, in different positive ways, do things we've, we've never tried before, and, and really push the envelope of our creativity in this work, you, you discover things. And, and those discoveries so often can be translated into other organizations and other industries and other ways. And, and so, I mean, I, I think one of my greatest capabilities as a CX leader is just awakening that curiosity and getting people energized and excited to continue to find ways to serve customers even better. Let's keep trying. Let's keep discovering. Uh, but it's so hard to do that, Bob, when, when people get sucked into a survival mode situation. Which, which I know that so many people are in right now. So the, the priority is to find a path to freedom, <laughs> freedom to be creative, to be curious, to where you can dedicate real time to, to making things better, both inside and outside the organization. And so, I mean, it's, it's just going to take some time, some work, some effort to get back to that place maybe for you, or maybe you're already in that place. Maybe you're tremendously fortunate right now and you, your team is intact and you're not uh, beholden to, to some of these really tricky things that are going on around us and, and you're able to continue to push. But, but if you are, you're not alone. <laughs> so just be encouraged in the fact that people are, are scrambling right now. A lot of folks are in that survival mode situation, but, but just, Keep that hope alive and, and know that we will work through this. We will accomplish uh, a break even point in which we can start to really focus on, wow, how can we move forward again? Mm -hmm. it's, it's so true. And, and I can imagine some listeners listening to this and saying, Nate, but you just don't understand. You're, you know, you're in a great company that welcomes that sort of uh, innovativeness, but but I'm not. And, and how do I navigate that? And how do I try to break through that? Thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I was stuck for a long time. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and I, so I approached it in two different ways. And, and this is not textbook. Um, <laughs> but th this is the way I did it. And I've done this a couple times and, and have seen success with this. I, I come at generating excitement around CX on the top and the bottom. So I actually try to form like a grassroots movement around it, as well as getting the executives truly bought in and participating in the work, not just giving lip service to the work, but participating in the work more than just writing a check. <laughs> They're embracing it as part of their change, their strategic vision for the company and having specific ways in which that translates outward. And, and then for the more the grassroots side, it, it's getting people thinking about how can we reduce the friction for each other? That, that's usually the starting point for me on the front line is there's a, there's a lot of frustration right now. Maybe the circle of psychological safety has been broken, which means that people can't focus on the customer right now because they're just having to go into a self-preservation mode. 
how can we restore that circle of psychological trust and safety around one another and, and create that environment in which we trust each other to serve our customers well, to serve each other well, so that we can start facing forward again and really bringing people into dialogues and, and just brainstorming around how they can do that together, getting HR involved in that. So there's a lot of things that can be done simultaneously here, Bob, in my opinion. You're not just working that executive angle and trying to make CX like a top-down thing. You're also like just expanding the hearts and minds of the people on the front line and, and the mid-level directors that are part of your CX change coalition that are bringing these things to the team. You're hitting people where they're at in all these different ways simultaneously. And then things just kind of click because the seeds have been sown. And all of a sudden, when the water does start to pour from the executive level, they're open, they're ready, the sun is shining, and then things can grow in a way that would, would have never happened before. Excellent, that, that's great uh, perspective and advice. Uh, Nate, I can't believe how fast our time goes together. Nate, <laughs> before I let you go, uh, and, and I should have said this at the beginning, but uh, listeners, Nate is coming to you from Nashville which is Music City USA, and I'm coming to you from Austin, Texas, which is the Woot. music capital of the world. So we're, we're com- we should be playing music in the background of this podcast, I think. Um, but before I let you go, could you say a word about sustainability? Because I'm very involved with that in my teaching and supply chain and operations and, and, and within CX, how that perspective, that sustainability is so important across a number of dimensions, economic, uh, environmental uh, and so forth. Th- thoughts on that before I let you go. Oh, I, I I just think it's such an important topic. And this was really inst- instilled inside of me working for UL, Underwriters Laboratories. And then I, I met um, Janal, who is the, the VP of product at, at Feather.com. And, and she uh, made me realize the air of fast furniture, <laughs> going out and buying this furniture that would end up on a curb in one year. And instead of uh, having the, the capability to have these really nice pieces that last and don't end up in a landfill. Um, so in the work of CX, I keep running in to these uh, opportunities to bring sustainability into our experience design cycles to think about how, how are we improving the lives of people long term? <laughs> are, are we are we doing something here just to make a quick buck? Are we generating waste in this experience that we're designing? Is there a way that we can not only make people happy and accomplish our objectives in terms of the emotional state of the customer, but also equip them for success long term to to create more of a world that we actually want to live in and have our children live in? And a lot of times we can we can do things with our experience design that bring that sustainability mentality right in. And, and it's great to see CX leaders who are versed in that, that care about that and are, and are bringing expertise in that area into the cycle. Well, and I think you make such a good point, just like you, you talked about with embedding um, CX into the culture of an organization, sustainability needs that same, same approach. It needs yeah. to be embedded in the mentality and DNA of the, of the organization. Nate, final question. We asked this question of all of our guests. Uh, final words of wisdom for our listeners. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go. I, I, tw- I tweeted this on May 5th, and, and it's something where um, I, I actually learned about it in, in a marriage class. 
but it's it's this idea of, of building a legacy around you. And and if you if you're really faithful in your marriage, if you're investing in your marriage, you know, there's huge downstream effects in term in terms of how that affects children and, and the community around you and other things. But I mean, it's so true in the work of CX as well. I mean, we have the power to change how how people engage with their jobs, how customers engage with the brands that they love. I mean, we're we're creating a CX legacy with this work that we do. And so I, I was challenging myself. I was like, if I were to try to define the CX legacy that I'm leaving, what would it be? And so mine was, to, I'm trying to form work and build work where it's bringing harmony and reducing stress from people's lives. Like, I, I want that to be a trademark of the interactions that I have with people and the experiences that I design. So I would love for you all to think on that. I mean, you're building a CX legacy right now. What are some words that you would put to that? How do you want people to feel after they interact with you? And how do you want customers to feel after they've participated in an experience that you've designed? Put some words to that and build that legacy over these next few years. And if you're intentional about that, you'll have a tremendous impact. Listeners, those are powerful words of wisdom for sure. Nate Brown, thanks for joining us on the All Things Considered CX podcast. So my pleasure. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in on this and uh, can't wait to hear it. You bet. Listeners, this has been another episode of the All Things Considered CX Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Asman. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your networks. And as always, keep in mind of the entire CXFM radio podcast network for great podcasts and look forward to our next one. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered. CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit CXofM.org for more resources.